0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my hostess with the mostest, my beautiful wife. Her name is...
1: Jess. Jen.
0: And you're along with us as we keep the hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! Woo! Woo! Man, it's chilly in here, Jennifer. It's Arctic. It is the podcast studio shack. We call it our radio shack, and it is about two degrees above freezing in here right now. It's the Polar
1: Express.
0: Good thing my dad is right.
1: Your dad is right?
0: Yeah. Why? He said I was full of hot air.
1: Oh. I'll be
0: able to warm up the place. I'm not warm yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I gotta- When does this happen? I guess I gotta keep talking.
1: Okay, keep talking.
0: Keep it talking and keep it talking. Yep. Keep it talking on. I feel warmer. Well, uh, Merry Christmas to you
1: and happy new year.
0: I know, it's just a beautiful beautiful season. It's a beautiful beautiful end of the year. Yes. I'm looking forward to 2021.
1: I'm looking forward to every day.
0: You are.
1: I know. I You're love s- every day.
0: You're so inspiring that way. <laughs> you wake up glass half full all the time. I'm telling you. Some days some days you have a day. You know but what? very rarely.
1: Knock on this hard desk wood top. I haven't had a day in a very long time. Maybe in over a year.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Because I'm choosing not to.
0: You just think it's a conscious choice.
1: I wake up excited. Do you? I have goals. When I'm looking forward to something, I'm excited. So I always plan something, whether it be you know, working out or going to Mexico or just doing something yeah. fun, a craft, building a barn door. When I have something to look forward to, maybe it's baking. Oh, I did bake some great You cookies. have
0: been on a baking roll. Maybe yeah. that's it. You're a foodie and you've been making like cookies and, and like muffins. I and- make
1: everything. I'm a gingerbread
0: and what what the the mountain things with the
1: those are Matterhorn macaroons. Yes, Yes. those. I'm super talented. Chocolate peanut butter. Yes, I'm going to open a bakery.
0: Where? I don't know.
1: In my in my kitchen.
0: (laughs) Well, I know you've got many many fans because Mm -hmm. at our house, your baked goods go quickly.
1: I know. I'm so getting great at it. Yes, it's exciting.
0: You you have. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Not only do you make healthy stuff. Yeah. But it's really good tasting. I know. Right? Yes. And it's varied. Like you've made a whole bunch of different stuff. And I it's know. always delicious.
1: I need more people in the house to
0: eat And it's it, very pretty. Like you're really good at yes. like the decorating. Well,
1: I'm very visual, so it has to look pretty, or I'm not even going to eat it.
0: You know what? That's hope filling in and of itself. We yes. should actually take pictures of it the next time you do the oh, baking. Oh, I have taken we're, pictures. I know. You but know I've
1: Instagrammed everything. <laughs> I know, but we're
0: going to put it on Hope Radio Podcast okay. Instagram, you know, just so that we can foster hope through the beautiful incarnation of what you made with love.
1: I know. I wish we could send cookies. <laughs> to everybody. Oh yeah. I will tell you my girlfriend gave me the best recipe for gingerbread and it tastes just like the gingerbread from Disneyland. So that's my favorite right now.
0: I'll argue that you're wrong. It actually tasted better.
1: Oh, well thank you.
0: I know. Yeah. No, it was delicious. I loved it. So, uh, yeah, festive holiday stuff. It's good. I
1: I love it. Are you going to bake something today? Um, I have thought about baking things today. I actually want to make bark. What I want to make chocolate bark and I want to put pretzels in it and like popcorn in it and candies in it, M&M's in it. I just want to make it like really, really cute and green, red, white.
0: They should call it chocolate. something other than bark. I know what you it's mean. It's Christmas but- bark.
1: <laughs> kind of like Christmas crack.
0: Uh, I love it. You like the Christmas crack. I do. Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, I, it's about that time. Let's mm-hmm. tell some funnies. Let's tell okay. some jokes. It's been a while.
1: It's been I a while. Feel, I but feel like I'm, I'm,
0: my, my joke... Ometer, teller thingy <laughs> is maybe a little, uh, rusty, rusty. Oh, I'm not. I'm, right. I'm full of funny. All right. You ready? Yep. Let's go. Uh, what do you call a computer that sings?
1: A computer that sings a fun computer.
0: Uh, Dell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she would be a fun computer.
0: Yeah. I thought that was cute.
1: Yeah, that's very cute.
0: That was a little cute funny. I liked it. Something short and sweet. And I sweet. like her. Yeah. And
1: where is she, why isn't she singing right now?
0: I don't know. She probably is. We she just lost don't know. a
1: bunch of weight and stopped singing.
0: Well, I guess that ha- can happen.
1: Yeah, she's taking a break.
0: <laughs> All right, what's your funny?
1: Okay. Why was the gingerbread man robbed?
0: Why was the gingerbread man robbed? I don't know. Why was he robbed?
1: Because of his dough. <laughs> I love gingerbread dough.
0: That was cute. I like that one. It's festive. That was a good one. Yeah.
1: Good like job. Good job on Joe I time. told you, I am I am not rusty on my jokes. I am funny all the time.
0: I agree. You make me <laughs> laugh daily. I do, huh? I get my daily dose of Jen funny.
1: No, you when I make you laugh or say something, you're like, Jennifer.
0: I know. <laughs> I say it just like that, right? Jennifer. <laughs>
1: Jennifer.
0: All right. Well, I got to tell you about uh, our next interview, our guest coming up, okay. Jeff Coley, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to have a fascinating conversation with him. He was actually referred to us by a very near and dear friend of ours, and um, he's got a story of hope to share, and he's a local, by the way, Oh, and some of his story has to do with um, the Forest Hill Bridge and him being on the ledge about to take his life yikes and so it is a story of hope Mm -hmm. it's a story of god it's a story of faith well he's here uh, to tell it so i know and i'm excited to talk with him so uh i'm gonna call him up and get him on the line what do you say i think we should all right here we go all right i'm happy to say i've got jeff coley on the line jeff welcome to hope radio podcast how are you today
2: I'm amazing. How are you today?
0: We are doing fantastic. We are excited to have a conversation with you. I got to tell you, ever since we uh, chatted a bit last week, I was eager Mm -hmm. to have a conversation with you because I felt like it was not only going to be a story of hope, but a story of faith, story of God. And so we're just excited to talk with you. Likewise. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, uh for the benefit of our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? Are you are you married? Are you single? Tell us a little bit about your life.
2: Well, technically I'm still married. I've been uh separated now for 10 years. And I live in Applegate and by the way the uh, divorce is going to be final probably by the end of the year. Everything is amicable. Time took its course, ran its course naturally. And um and you know, with the COVID and the courts shutting down and all that, it delayed everything. But by yeah. the end of the year, I could probably be divorced.
0: Well, I you know, I, I sometimes when I hear that, I, I don't know to say congratulations <laughs> or to to say I'm sorry or you are know. you
1: Are you happy, Jeff? I am happy. Okay, that's all that matters.
0: Well, then I guess that's Every, a congratulations.
2: Everyone, everyone is happy. My uh, my wife and I get along great. My kids and I all get along great. And um, I live where I want to live and
0: life I live is, a quiet, happy life. Life is good. Yep. Well, I know you have a story of hope to share, and I know that it's, it's been a process to get to this point, you know, like I know that there was a point in your life where you were not happy and things were not going your way. So I know you're the best person to uh, share that story. So why don't you start wherever you want to start? But, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to just kind of get into uh, what, what is the story of your life and, um, you know, a story of hope and faith.
2: I'd be happy to. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I just uh, listened to one of your podcasts about a story that a woman uh, named Linda told about her son, Nick. And I, I actually related to Nick a little bit. So I think, um, like she said in, in her interview with you, she says, well, I probably need to go back to the beginning when, you know, as Nick was growing up. So, if if I may, real quick, I'll just kind of go back and absolutely some points. Yeah. So, what I heard her say was that Nick felt like he was always on the outside looking in. So, and, and so that was me. Um, my parents were divorced. Uh, my dad, that I got to see for two months out of the year, was Christian, and my parents that I lived with that I love very much are atheists. I went to eight different schools between kindergarten and the 12th grade. Wow. I was was always on the outside looking in. So I felt really well. I was able to adjust to all the different groups. So I was never despised or hated by any of the groups. Yet I was never part of any group either.
0: Now when you when you say you were you know always felt like you're outside looking in and based on what you've already described I can imagine that that was from several perspectives you have one household where it's faith filled christian you got another house where it's where it's not it's atheist and so like which camp do I fit into or do I fit into either and then moving around that much I got to tell you Jen and I both sympathize with you because in the first 5 years of my school life I didn't stay at one school for a whole year between kindergarten and fifth grade and nor yeah. did Jen. Yeah. So we, we were always that new kid. And I know that's probably what you're talking about. Every, if you're moving around a lot, like your social network, your friend network isn't there. And so you just feel like an outcast.
2: Well, and then I'm the only child that my biological parents had together. Mm-hmm. And I have three half sisters. So, you know, growing up, to never have a whole sister or a whole brother, mm-hmm. that that uh, has an impact on a kid. So I would go back and forth. You know, I would uh, I would live for eight months out of the year with my parents in Los Angeles and my two half sisters, and then I would leave that environment from all my friends from school and. And my sisters and my family and all that in LA for two months, I'd go live with my father and my other half sister. And I would experience church and uh, Sunday school and that only to at the end of it um, be ripped away from that and sent back to the other. And you know, and then go into all the different schools starting each school year differently. Not just because my parents were divorced, but because both sets of parents um, moved at different times to where when I came back to the one, they were living in a different place and I would start a new school.
0: So. Wow. So that, I mean, that had to create um, a... Hotbed of anxiety, I would imagine. You know, like you're if you're always feeling uh, like the outcast, always the new kid, it never settled, never secure. Let's say it just didn't seem like anything was secure about the foundation of where you're going to live or where you're going to be, etc. Then I, I assume that creates anxiety. So I think you mentioned that you suffered from anxiety as well.
2: Yeah, and as we uh, talked a little bit ago prior to um, this conversation. ADD. I didn't know it then, but ADD is, is what I had. They didn't know it. They didn't know how to treat it back, you know, in the seventies or the late sixties. And so I was just a kid that would get punished, you know, for being overactive and, and just being me, a boy. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the, The ADD component, I'll just keep this part brief, but looking back, the ADD component always made me feel, um, like I needed to be somewhere else or I was doing the wrong thing or, you know, who's, what are they going to think of me and why am I different? And, and all those things that, um, you know, a little kid can't put together a reasonable explanation for how they feel. So what we do is we just retreat. We go inside and we handle it, you know, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, I can I can understand that, and and it creates a system, and it creates a basically a hidden system of how you behaviorally deal with certain um, events, people, social situations, etc. And I think that that's what you're talking to. It it, it leads down a path where. You create mechanisms that aren't necessarily healthy, or the outlet for dealing with unhealthy feelings isn't there.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a, in some times um, the the choices uh, ended up being, in a sense, self destructive.
0: Yeah, I understand so. that. I could see that. And so um, these events led to a, a pretty, um, I would say, formulative and, and very impactful uh, day for you at some point in your life where um, kind of all of this had kind of coalesced. So why don't you describe that for us a bit? Tell us a little bit about what happened uh when you were contemplating it in your life, the circumstances that uh, took place before that and led or gave rise to it, and then the events of that day.
2: Well, I'll, I'll just go back a little bit if I may. Yes. When we talked the other day, we talked about some visions that I'd had, and I had left a couple out. So just, I'll just quickly go back to, I remember I share a birthday with my stepfather, and I remember being in L.A., going to the mountains and seeing snow for the first time at 10 years old on my birthday. And I was just amazed. And it it made me feel at peace. It was quiet. It was slow. And I remember that day saying, someday I'm going to live in the mountains. And I remember having these other dreams that I'm going to live in the mountains. I'm going to live in a treehouse. I'm going to at 10 years old. I'm going to live in the mountains, I'm going to live in the treehouse, and I'm going to live on the water. And not understanding that that was going to happen, actually, that it was, it was virtually impossible to live in the treehouse on the water. <laughs> Today, um, I'm sitting in my bedroom window and I'm looking out the window. I live on a creek. And it's a man-made creek, you know, from the 1800s when the Chinese built the irrigation for the gold mining. So it's got German brown trout in it. Now, because it's on a hill on the other side, it's 30 feet in the air and it's in a treehouse. So <laughs> I love yeah. it. So that that's the part that I missed. Last time when I was talking to you about
0: my vision. See, I love that um, about manifestation and those yeah. in those visions. And I, Wait, wait,
1: wait. So you live in a treehouse?
2: It feels like a treehouse on one side, yeah, because it's on stilts on the side of a hill. So out wow. my bedroom window, literally I can, you know, uh, flick a quarter into the water. Wow. And on the other side, I'm 30 feet in the air looking into the tops of the pines.
1: My, my dream is to live in a tree house, and I'm not even kidding. I want to have all my kids have their own little tree house, and we're going to zip line from house to house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that kidding. That's my dream. Entirely, and I, yeah, it's possible.
2: It's entirely possible.
1: Yes. I love it.
2: <laughs> and, and you don't even have to write out a list of
0: action
1: plans. No. But I do want monkeys. I want monkeys. Monkeys. Yeah, I want monkeys from the treehouse swinging back and forth too, so.
0: I don't think you know what you're getting into when you say you want monkeys. i
1: move into to Costa Rica, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not going to have this in Forest Hill. We're going to live in the jungle
1: that. and have treehouses for all of our kids, and we're going to zip line back and forth and play with monkeys. <laughs> How amazing is that? All right, see?
2: For anyone who thinks that that's a dream or a stretch outside of
0: what's possible, mm, they are... we are mistaken
1: yeah I could see it happening
0: (laughs) I'm a big believer in uh, words matter and manifesting your future and speaking light Mm -hmm. and speaking things into existence and so I I, we're gonna have monkeys apparently we're gonna have monkeys
1: (laughs) we might be the monkeys but
0: (laughs) well you call me a monkey every once in a while so
1: yeah
2: (laughs) you you never know it could be a Halloween one day when one of your kids wings from their place (laughs) to your place and they have a monkey outfit on. There
1: you go. This is true. I love it. And then
2: you could say, oh my gosh, it happened. Yep.
1: (laughs) Dreams do come true.
2: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that was that. that. I'll skip to when I was 16. That's when I accepted Christ. Mm. And I remember coming home to my Christian father who didn't know any better. He just knew me. I remember coming home and saying, I accepted Christ as my savior today. And I remember him saying out of ignorance, I love my father very much. And we were very close. You're a hypocrite. And I thought, wow, where'd that come from? This is a whole, this is a great day. I've got my whole life now ahead of me to live as a Christian. And that's how my Christian journey kind of started out.
0: Um, why why anyways, did why did he say that? Well, probably
2: because of uh, you know the kid that I was.
0: Yeah, so
2: I was you know I was I was a handful. I wasn't a bad <laughs> kid, but I was a handful. And my dad, I would wake up in the morning, and my dad would be reading the Bible, and he'd say, "Come sit next to me," and, and he would read the Bible with me. And he, you know, he grew up in a different era, the tail end of uh, the depression, and Life was tough and and quite honestly, I don't think that he had ever had that moment, that experience of inviting God Christ into his heart. And so he didn't understand what I had just experienced. And that's just what slipped out.
0: Yeah, I can understand that.
2: I don't think I don't think he meant it. I just think he didn't understand it.
0: I could understand so, that. Yeah, yeah, I could. I could see that. That you know, just an. I think that there's something co- I like to call a Christian atheist. In other words, somebody that that believes in God but doesn't necessarily act like they're living their life mm-hmm. as though they believe in God. And I think that there's also people that are highly religious that don't ever truly understand the one-on-one personal relationship with Christ. You know, like they they don't have that communal type relationship. It's just, it's just religion, but it's not spirit-based. It's not inside. And I think that that's probably what you're describing.
2: Right. And I, you know, I look back, I've been to a lot of different churches and I've really enjoyed them. Um, Most all of them. I, although I'm Presbyterian quote unquote, I've been to all the other different churches and enjoyed the experience of going from one to another and sharing the, the, the thing that we have in common. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, all the, the laws and the rules and the regulations and the beliefs um, that they have is what divides us. And that's what Satan wants. Yes. Wants to divide us. You know, boy, girl, uh, Christian, non Christian, Jew, Muslim, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, Democrat, Republican, all the things that divide us, which they, those are all human made, Mm -hmm. man made. Mm -hmm. And I I remember looking back and thinking, gosh, we're missing so much. I think that all the different quote unquote religions are actually, um, we're missing out. We're limiting ourselves. God is so much bigger than what people tell you uh, you should be doing or you should be feeling. We're limited. Anyway, my journey in my life, and especially in the last 10 years, has been acceptance and tolerance and all the things that we were taught as a kid and now, you know, criticized for. Anyway, that, uh, that was the beginning, you know, of my experience at 16 years old with my dad saying hypocrite and, and he didn't even know why he was saying it. It it was, it was not him that was saying it It was, I think it was, uh, that which wants to divide us.
0: Yes, I agree. I agree completely. So did that, so, you know, the purpose of you sharing that, did that somehow taint your um, experience or, you know, what 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 did you connect with in that moment relative to your religion or your personal relationship with Christ that, that made it such a memorable moment for you?
2: Well, over the years, um, I chased that high, like any good addict does. Um, I remember looking back saying as I was drinking or drugging or doing whatever it is I was doing to feel better. Um, I remember how I felt when I accepted Christ and I turned my life over to him. I would play guitar out on the front lawn and I would get the goosebumps. Um, because I was so close that it was the best high that I had ever had. And I remember, gosh, as, as I was older, I was out partying and I was chasing that high, that the feeling, wanting to feel different. I remember consciously thinking to myself, I still never found the same high that I had when I was 16 and I accepted Christ and life became so simple. So I've been working my way back to that ever since, um, and I remember asking God, "God, bring me back, but don't make it hurt." And uh, it was right about that time, also. It was the uh, nineteen seventy-seven-ish. A friend of mine named West um, shared his testimony with me, and it was. You know, God. You know how god awful everything was, and how he hit bottom, and and how he accepted Christ, and how life had been so joyful and blissful ever since. And I remember thinking, "Gosh, I've grown up with parents that loved me. I've always had a roof over my head. Um, We've never been rich, but I had everything that I wanted. I've had no reason to be unhappy." And I asked God, I said, well, I don't have a story. Give me a story. And uh, when we get into the, you know, what happened from that point on, <laughs> he gave me exactly that.
0: <laughs> Careful what you pray for.
2: Exactly. That actually is um, a very, very important part of my whole life process is that moment where I said, I don't have a story give me a story. So,
0: well, speaking of story, um let's let's talk about it. So let's talk about what happened that um y- you know now gives you a, a bit of humor to say that you have a story. God God fulfilled that uh, prayer or that request and what a story it is. So I'll I'll let you uh start to unpack it.
2: All righty. Well, from that point uh, i was a member of a group called the sunshine company and we would sing at disneyland and we would go on tour and um i invited a girlfriend of mine i was a senior in high school on tour and you know that's where i wound up leaving the church for a while because my you know, i asked my uh my youth minister at the time can my girlfriend come on tour with us this summer he said yeah and Long story short, by the end of the tour, she broke up with me, and today she's still happily married to him. Um, so that was the first love of my life and the first rush that I had, the crisis. And uh, I remember I was in a college class that night with my friend shortly after that had happened, and I, I, we were in an algebra class, college, and I closed my book and I said, today's the day. And he knew exactly what I was talking about. What we did is we got up, we walked out of class, we packed up the car, sold our stuff, and we moved to Tahoe to live in the mountains. So I went to the mountains to get away from women, not knowing that uh, <laughs> there were seven women to every man in Lake Tahoe.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> so I went ripping and roaring for a year. I, my my uh, goal was to feel no guilt for anything. So I ripped and roared. And that's where my story started, partied, etc. So for a year, I met my wife, I had my first child um, there in Tahoe. And she's now uh, 35 years old. So then I was transferred down to Sacramento uh, by the company that I had gotten a job with. And that's in the healthcare industry that I work in now, still today. I raised Three beautiful children, um, for the most part, lived a model life on the surface, went to church. I was just, uh, I was never really happy. I didn't know why. And um, so I started taking uh, leadership courses and uh, my passion just became leadership, leadership, leadership. So I started taking uh, courses through a group called Rapport Leadership International, out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And that is where I excelled. It's where I fit in. I met people. You know, we learned about neurolinguistic programming and all that good stuff. Ultimately, um, uh, I ended up meeting a life coach there, and from Canada. So she she said, Jeff, let's talk about life and where do you want me to help? And I said, I want you to help me accomplish all these goals, but I don't want to talk about my marriage. I want to leave that out of it. So we we worked together for about a year. I hit every single one of my goals. I was um, teaching leadership to managers at hospitals. I was uh, helping hospitals learn how to clean. Um, I had a national agreement with Kaiser. I was making about $800,000 a year um, as a consultant with several consultants under me. And I still wasn't happy. So I said, okay, let's talk about my marriage. So about two weeks of talking about my marriage, I learned that, um, I wasn't happy and I made the decision to leave. So I did, I, you know, it, it was a tough time. My kids were upset with me. Obviously my wife was upset with me and, uh, I just, I just made the decision and I went with it, um, uh, counseling was never an option before. So that's why I made the decision and, and then just stuck to the decision. And, uh, I met, uh, a woman from Canada that I eventually fell in love with and, uh, dated for about a year. She'd come down for a week. I'd go up there for a week. My business was thriving. I was semi retired. I was loving life. And, um, I was an alcoholic and I had anxiety and depression and I didn't know it. And uh, then she broke up with me. And so I came back and I lost, gosh, in one day I lost my whole business. And, uh,
0: you lost your business in, in one, in one day,
2: in one day, Kaiser, I didn't realize it, but for the two years, that I was working with them at a national level, there was a, a competitor from the past that had been lurking in the shadows seeing what I was doing and strategizing to make Kaiser a partner in his company and took everything. Wow. So now I'm sitting here with that gone. Uh, you can only imagine. So it wasn't, it wasn't pretty.
0: So you're suffering from alcohol abuse. You're, you're an alcoholic at the time. Um, you had, uh, left your wife. You've got the, the drama of familial challenges. Obviously you got three daughters and, and the, the loss of your marriage. And then overnight you lose your business. And so now you're in a situation where you have effectively almost lost everything
2: everything. I I lived for a while on um, the money that I had. Unfortunately, that was all fake money. I never saved anything. I'd always lived on huge amounts of income and huge amounts of expense, and they just kind of were a big mess. And at the end of the month, I had this lifestyle and everything that I wanted At the end of the month, though, I had no more money. So, And I was just getting ready to go to the place where I was going to bust a million dollars a year when it all came down. So I was stuck with three quarters of a million dollars in debt and no income. And unfortunately, a lot of that debt was to family members and friends that either worked for me or you know lent me money because I was always good for it. And so what I was left with was not only lack of income, but owing the IRS money, my friends and family money, having house payments to help my wife with, and kids in college and all that good stuff. And with everything that was going on, the anxiety, the depression, the ADD, the sadness that, you know, all of that. Um, I just didn't know what to do other than drink. Cause drinking took it away. It numbed it. So I did that for about a year. And, uh, you know, my kids didn't want to be around me when I was that way. Nobody wanted to be around me when I was that way. And so eventually I wound up, uh, working out there trying to put something new together and it just never would come together and I was drinking and I I just couldn't function and I wasn't thinking right and I was depressed and I became homeless and living in my uh, sleeping on couches um, trying to put it together and living out of my Lincoln (laughs) that's the only thing that I had left and I wasn't paying for that they were trying to repossess it.
0: So wow. Eventually
2: I get that back. But while I was doing that, ironically, I must've thought that, gosh, yes, maybe a relationship is what I need. <laughs> so anyway, I went to a, uh, a weekend retreat where we were praying and meditating. And I remember I got into this one meditation and I, the standing where I was, I remember I, I would, uh, sleep in a tent at night because I couldn't afford to rent one of their facilities. And they said, okay, you can sleep in the meadow. Um, And I remember going into this meditation and saying, asking a question to God, I says, God, what does my next relationship look like? I thought I'd ask rather than just jump into one. Right. (laughs) So he gave me this vision and this vision was of a, a woman looking out of a window And she appeared to not have clothes on. Her back was bare. All I saw was her back and her brown hair um, looking out the window. And the message from God was, he's ready for you. And so I, you know, came back from that retreat with that vision in mind, thinking someday I'm going to meet this woman. I remember... I was moving out of a place that I was renting, didn't have a place to go. So I got a motel for the night and a friend of mine said, let's go for a drive or a walk or something. And I said, well, let's go to the Forest Hill Bridge. I'll show you where my youngest daughter and I every year would carve our initials because we would go camping up out of Forest Hill there at the Morning Star Lake.
0: And for those that are listening that don't know, the Forest Hill Bridge is the tallest bridge in California, and I think it's the third tallest in the nation, something like 800 feet um, up over the uh, middle fork of the American River.
2: Exactly. So we would go out there and we would carve our initials. Anyway, this one day, um, I hadn't drank for six months, and this particular day, I got a half pint of whiskey. Cause I had had a bad day. I had um, had a conversation with one of my children when I said, I remember asking the question, what is it going to take for you and I to be closer again? And I remember she said, when you stop feeling sorry for you. And that crushed me. And then the third one was the, the person that I lived on her property with. I was lonely. I wanted to do things, and she was out dating and all this kind of stuff. So I was kind of left out on the property with nothing to do. Anyway, I moved, got into the motel. That day, we went to the bridge, and um, I had the half pint. We were walking out there, and something snapped. I hadn't drank enough. is, is I still feel that I hadn't drank enough that day to kill myself. It was a half pint, but something snapped as I was getting out of the car, walking onto the bridge. And I remember when it snapped, I just started running to that place where my daughter and I would sign car bar initials. That's when I pretty much lost consciousness. I was on the other side of the rail and I was, I remember holding on, looking out, At the beauty and it was so quiet and so peaceful. I had checked out. I was just gonna, I was gonna end it then. It wasn't a negative thing. It was a beautiful thing. And apparently I was there long enough that traffic had stopped and I was at peace and all I could hear was my friend yelling my youngest daughter's name. And I remember basically telling her to F off. I came out of this bliss into anger. And I don't remember getting off uh, back on this side of the rail. Apparently, her yelling my daughter's name snapped me out of it, brought me to. And I got off and I was angry. And by the time I had gotten to the end of the bridge, cops had showed up. They had me in handcuffs. I remember saying it's too tight and him loosening it. He was so gracious. Anyway, they took me to Sutter, Roseville. That's where my sponsor met me. And they charged me with a 5250. So now I'm healing. I'm going to I, I had hit my bottom, absolute bottom, surrendered, lost everything, given everything up. And that's, I think, what I needed. I needed to get to the point where I could build, a new solid foundation
0: from nothing. So, but I think um, I think that's what's powerful about your story is I feel like there's a lot of people in 2020 that can relate I feel like there's a lot of people that this year has brought them to their knees. You know, think of a restaurant owner, think of a gym owner, think about all the businesses that have closed or affected by COVID and lockdowns and lack of business, etc. There's a lot of people that probably are dealing with their version of a, of a bottom in their life. And, you know, our message is, is don't lose hope. And I think you'd hit bottom. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I, I went through that myself back in 2009 yeah. I was an alcoholic and drinking every day and I and I, I had to hit bottom I had to surrender and there was such a peace that came from that surrender but and I never I totally understand what you're saying too I never felt closer to God than when I was at the bottom you know so like did you, yeah. I, I'm curious about whether so at 16 you felt this peace you felt this like euphoric peace when you'd asked God to come into your life at the very bottom bottom. Did you feel that again? Did you feel held? Did you, you know, was that the closest that you've come to that same feeling again at 16? I mean, because when I was at my bottom, I, I felt held.
2: Great, great observation. Exact, you're exactly right. That, that moment that I had accepted Christ at 16, I didn't have a lot of baggage. So it was easy to get to that place. And then several You know what's my story, God, and then bring me back, but don't make it hurt. Um, Well, it hurt, and He did what He needed to do, and He brought me back, and I lived through it, and I'm I'm forever grateful for that moment. I would not suggest anybody try this at home, though.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: if if you're if you're going through COVID or you're going through whatever you're going through in these tough times, it's because these are tough times. No one has ever experienced what we're going through right now. So these people who are experiencing loss of business, loss of of people dying that they love and, and all that, the way that they're feeling all this pain, because it's painful. And the best thing that they could do at this point is just, live in the moment, talk to God, talk to whoever you talk to and let all of the other stuff happen outside of you and your relationship with God.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Be, Be grateful. Be, be appreciative, be thankful, you know, just, just for, you know, I think gratitude is such an important thing, even in the midst of the storm, even though everything's crashing around, like if you've got your health or if you've got your eyesight or if you've got your mind or if you've got your body and, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, we take for granted on a day-to-day basis that, um, we, you know, things could get even worse or much worse without them. So just being, I think, uh, content in gratitude for the things that you do have, even when um, life's throwing you a whole bunch of of challenges that you didn't expect, I think is is important. Now, I want, yeah. I, want I want to close the loop on yeah. on something. I want I don't want to make sure that we we uh, get a chance to talk about this. And so, you were on the bridge, you were going to jump. You felt peaceful. Your friend helped you because he he spoke the the name of your daughter, etc. You come back over on the other side. You know, I know what it's like because several times a year we have to deal with this. Unfortunately, because Forest Hill Bridge is a mecca for people that oh. want to jump is. You know, they do, they st- stop traffic on both sides and, you know, people are waiting to get the bridge cleared, et cetera, et cetera. And so that had happened for you as well. So they get you back over, they handcuff you, they take you in, they take you to Sutter, they do an evaluation, you come out of it. And, um, and so I'm, I'm curious how the rest of kind of those, those God nuggets, that wink that you got, you know, about, uh, a woman that would be ready for you. So maybe you can shed a little bit more light on that story as well.
2: Absolutely. So while I was homeless, attempting to put it all back together afterwards, um, finding my niche in society, et cetera, um, I I went on a Craigslist site. And uh, the personals back when they still had those, men looking for women and women looking for men. And I met a, a woman, and we started to date. She had experienced growing up suicidal, depressed, Um, She was, as we were dating, she was becoming homeless. Anyway, we were having a conversation at one point, and I was telling her about my story. I remember at one point in the story, she stopped me and she says, oh my gosh, this was this in May? And I said, yeah, it was, May 7th. And she says, I was in that traffic. I was stopped while some person... Some guy, they said, was on the bridge, was going to jump. And she says, I remember not knowing who you were, but just sending love and hugs and prayer to whoever that person was on the bridge to let them know that they are loved, etc." Anyway, that turned out to be the gal that I was dating.
0: Oh, my gosh. So y- you answer a personal on Craigslist and come to find out, She is one of the people that is on the bridge stopped because of your potential attempted suicide jump, you know, on the bridge.
2: Yep. Imagine that.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's incredible.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we put that together, right? And um, at this point, I still hadn't connected all the visions that I had had, yet we were connected in that way at that moment. And that was a God moment. It was like, oh, my gosh, what are the odds of that? So just before she became she was going to lose her place, uh, we decided that, um, you know, I was good for the money somehow. Um, We would borrow some money from her parents. So anyway, rather than both of us be homeless, we just said, let's borrow some money from your parents. I'll pay them back someday. And we moved in together. And we found a place to rent on a a crazy man's property with other places that, you know, had people like us. And um, we were asleep. I remember my aunt was there. And all of a sudden, the smoke alarm went off. And I remember getting up, running out into the living room and pulling the battery out of the smoke detector. And then finding, I, I felt warm. It was, there was a fire and I could see flames coming up through a window in the bedroom. So I run around the bedroom, back into the bedroom, into the bedroom. And there was the vision that I had had in my meditation. That was her, Becca, standing in front of the window with her back was bare and her long brown hair looking out the window. He was looking out the window, looking at the flames.
0: Wow. Whoa! So this this was it. Right there in that moment, you immediately knew yeah, yeah. that was what God had shared with you in in that meditation. That that nugget that He had given the, you the exact same vision. Uh, a lot of people would call
2: it a deja vu. Mm, yeah. Well.
1: Oh,
0: wow spirit people, people of faith. know it's a little bit more than that. That's that that was a god nugget. That was that was some <laughs> that that was him going, you're in the right place at the right time. Remember what I shared with you? And you had had yep. that vision before you'd even been on the bridge. Yep. Wow. That yep. that is that is incredible.
2: Mhm. Yeah, I was uh, I I was able to pay to go to a retreat to, you know, learn how to meditate and pray and all that kind of stuff. And that's when the vision, that's when I asked the question. So again, be careful about what you ask for, right? <laughs> this um, is true. What does my next relationship look like? And he said, this is her and she's waiting for you. Well, I thought that he was waiting for me, that she was ready, that she was advanced and she was going to help me um, through all my struggles that she was perfect, that she was together in my vision, right? It turns out it was the opposite of that. She was waiting for me to help her because she was suicidal. She was struggling with her belief in
0: God. So through through these experiences, Jeff, you know, I guess my question to you would be, you know, what would you say to somebody right now that feels hopeless, Because that moment on the bridge, you had to have felt hopeless, like there's no reason to go on. And so, what would you say to somebody that's feeling that right now? Because look at how your life has changed since that day. Look at what you would have missed out on since that day. So, I I guess I'm just curious, perspective-wise, you know, how that experience has shaped you, and and what you can offer to somebody else that might be feeling uh, like you felt on that day.
2: Well, we have these saying this saying. from the years that I went through the leadership training, is trust the process. There are messages from God everywhere. And sometimes they are, we just don't see them. It doesn't mean that we're not receiving them, that he's not putting them out there. It's just there's a time and place for everything. Everything eventually works out just the way it's supposed to. And nobody would have ever, if you'd asked me, what's your life gonna look like, you know, when I was 15 years old, going forward, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that um, my life would have gone the way it has. And in the end, my life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to help other people in my situation Had I never asked God that first time, you know, what's my story? I can relate to people now in a way that um, I never would have been able to relate to them without these experiences. So whatever our experiences are that hurt, that's where we get our wisdom. That's where we get our experiences to be able to relate to another person, to truly empathize with them and meet them at their place. And there's there's never a wrong answer. I mean, unless I would a jump, that's the wrong answer. Um, all the other decisions that I made and uh, the regrets that I have um, or had They were all part of the process of getting me right here, right now, talking to you, looking out my window in the treehouse at the creek, (laughs) enjoying life. Agreed. Just for what it is. I'm not a millionaire. I'm still in debt. Um, My debt is nothing like it used to be. People that I owe money to love me. I know that I'm going to pay them back someday. Uh, I know how I'm going to do that now. Um, and life, life is beautiful. And there's opportunity in all adversity. We just have to know that and believe that and get through that. And sometimes, you know, what I always did is I used to fight it. I'd fight it, fight it, fight it, or I'd drink or I'd do something to numb it. Now I've learned that when I'm feeling down or I'm feeling sad, there's there's a message somewhere. There's an experience that I'm supposed to have. And what we're supposed to do is not numb it. We're supposed to feel it, love ourselves through it, and believe 1,000% that tomorrow is always a different brand new day.
0: Well said. Well said on that. I I, uh, I applaud you for that, and I and I agree with you. I think that you know the big message that I wanted to convey with this show is to let people know that no matter how difficult things get, this is just but a season. It's it's a moment in time, and things always change and they evolve. And Jen and I have been through our own share of of stuff and some pretty heavy stuff. And what I take comfort in is even in the deepest, darkest valleys I've ever been in, what happens is they usually lead to the biggest mountaintops I've ever seen, you know, but you got to get through the valley to see the mountaintop. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make it through that period of time. And what you think is, um, you know, unsustainable or unbearable now is not. So it, it, you can bear it, you can get through it. And when you do, you'll be stronger, um, I think these, these moments in time also build faith. I think without kind of feeling like there's no way out of a situation, you, you can't fully rest in God. And so when He does bring you out of that, you can attribute it to His grace, His mercy. You know, like look at where you are now compared to where you were, you know?
2: Exactly. Well, we all have our own path, right? And it's unique to us. Do you know what the odds of us being born on the day? the moment and the place and to the parents that we were born to are. And this is about purpose. The odds of this happening, us being born and to the place, you know, to the parents at the moment in the place are one in 400 trillion. Wow. So tell me we, we aren't here for a purpose.
0: I love that. Well, I think we are here for a purpose, and I think that you're yes. here for this moment right now, and I think Jen and I are here for a purpose right now of fostering hope in others. That's
1: right.
2: <laughs> exactly. Here's one more thing to, that, that you just made me think of. is that it doesn't matter how long the journey takes, what trail you take, whether or not it's the difficult one or the easy one, how it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get to the top of the mountain. Mm. When you do though, the view is the same yeah. for everyone yeah.
0: from the top of the mountain. Yes. Yes. I like that. That's beautiful. Yes. Well, Jeff, I just got to say, thank you so much for your story. Thank you for your wisdom and your truth and your vulnerability and, and what you shared. Um, I, I, I'm just happy that you are happy and content in living a bliss-filled life now.
2: And I sure appreciate the opportunity. It's it's interesting how we met, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Yes, absolutely.
2: A week ago, I had no idea I would be having this conversation with you.
0: Isn't God good? (laughs) Yeah.
2: He's, he's better than good. He's amazing. Yes, yes. he is. Well, thank you so and, much. And, and so are you Aww. for uh, for what you do. Thank you.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And uh, we're just following his lead. This yep. is something that we felt called to do, and uh, it's interesting. You know, I'm I'm approaching my 50th birthday. I'll be 50 in January. And uh, for the first time in my life, doing, doing this show, you know, which started was born out of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I really feel like I'm as close as I've ever been to connecting to my purpose yeah. on this planet. And so, you know, like you're, you're never too young to find your purpose. And uh, who knows, your purpose could be born out of a pandemic.
1: You're never too old. Either. Exactly.
0: <laughs> this is true. Never too old. Did I say it wrong? You said
1: you're never too young, and I'm like, well, you're never too old. <laughs>
0: yeah, I said I. You know, there you go. Nice catch.
1: <laughs> I pay attention.
0: Yeah, you do. Look <laughs> at you. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Well,
2: thank you, um, and God bless.
1: God bless you.
0: All right, Jen. What'd you think about our interview with Jeff?
1: I thought that was amazing i love those stories i get
0: goosebumps I when know. i hear those like visions and like you know god gave somebody this vision like i want visions yes it's like, i want to see my future it's magical i know it just and and then to, i mean how crazy he the craigslist personal i know he starts dating somebody is dating her and then come to find out she was on the bridge that he was about to jump off of and she was sending love. Like he told me offline, uh-huh. like she wasn't, she wasn't, she didn't believe in God. Yeah. So it's not like she was praying for him, but she was sending him love and affection and, you know, right. hope he doesn't jump and that kind of a thing. And how crazy is it that he ends up dating somebody that was on the bridge that day? It's, that,
1: I, I don't That's know. God. It's, it's hard to wrap my head around it, but I want to hear more stories like that. I know. I love those stories. It's like a movie. I just want to, I just want to like hear and watch it again.
0: Here's the thing though. Here's what I love about his story. Had that day been his last day we wouldn't we wouldn't have the benefit of it. He wouldn't have the peace he has now. Mm-mm. Look at how much he's learned about his life and who yeah. he is and where he's at and how to how to manage himself better so that he doesn't ever get to that point again and yeah. man it's just it's fascinating to me to to hear that to hear those stories. Right. To hear that as, as an example, I mean mm-hmm. that's hope.
1: It is hope when
0: you can be at that place, not succumb, mm-hmm. not jump, yep. and then persevere. Yes. Do the hard work, live your life, and yes. then come full circle around. He sounded blissful. He sounded happy, He's and so, so happy. like yes, you. There is peace. There is happiness. You don't. You know. Don't. Well,
1: he lives in a treehouse too. So I know by the water. That's happiness right there.
0: I know, and you <laughs> and I kept thinking that you were going to say we live in a treehouse too.
1: We live in a snow globe. We live in a tree house. It's a snow globe. You look out the windows, all you see is trees. But when it snows, it's a snow globe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it hasn't snowed a bit, so I'm not thinking snow globe. Well, snow, we have to snow. shake wow. up the house. I can't even say right. I, I'm not thinking snow globe. When say you that shake past. up
1: the house, it what? will be snow globe. I don't want to
0: shake up the house.
1: Well, we have to jump. What? When you jump, when you make a lot of movement... Kind of like an earthquake, but we don't want that. No,
0: Brayden Madden just have to walk through the house and that shakes up the house.
1: Okay, then we're in a snow globe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to listen to more of our podcast, you can do so on all of the podcast media. So SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Apple Podcasts. You can catch us there. And Jen, if, one, if people want to connect with us on social media, where do they do the so? show?
1: We are um, Hope Radio Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
0: We're on both platforms. Yes. And so send us a message. If you've got a story of hope yourself, please share with us. Send us a direct message and we'd love to mm-hmm. have you on the show. And uh, like, subscribe, and follow, please. And yes. thank you. That way we keep you. the hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! Speaking of. Yes. I've got another interview I'm going to do tomorrow actually I've already done it and I'm going to give you a sneak peek right now.
1: oh wait. you want to hear it you already did it Yes, where was I? you were with me Oh, you want to hear it? <laughs> you playing games with me I am reindeer games I am. <laughs>